Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When I love God, and by the way, I can't love Him unless He helps me, and He does. First of all, I have to love him with my heart. Your heart. This isn't the pumping deal here. This isn't the thing that flows blood through our arteries. Our heart is the control center of who you are. It's where we make the decisions of life. It's where we decide for or against God. The heart is where our commitment to God takes root. What fuels your desire to love and follow after God? Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that if the spiritual foundation is not laid in the heart of a man, it will never fully grow. The heart has always been the central hub for physical life itself, and it's no different for the spirit of a man. One who desires the Lord with all of his heart will then begin to follow him with everything else. Do you have a heart for the Lord today? Or do you just bank on head knowledge carrying you through? Don't think that acts of righteousness is all God desires. He wants your heart behind it. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Love, It's Not Easy. You can turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 22. A man on a camel rode through miles of sun-drenched desert. He was searching for some kind of life. His supplies were running low, and then he noticed that his camel seemed sick. He got off his camel, and sure enough, the camel died. Now he was on foot, desperately trying to find some refuge from heat. More, More importantly, he was out of water. Suddenly he came across a vendor in the middle of the desert. Thank God I found you, the man cried. Please help me. I have no water and I'm dying of thirst. Well, the vendor said, I'm sorry, but I don't have any water. But would you like to buy one of these fine ties? The man looked at him and said, what would I do with a tie out here in the desert? I need water. Sir, he said, I'm sorry I can't help you. All I can sell you is ties. That's what I do. Well, the man left the vendor and began walking on many more miles, constantly praying that he would somehow make it. He was getting the end of his life when, in the distance, he thought he saw a restaurant. But he knew that very often these would just be a mirage. But he decided to check it out anyway. Well, the closer he got, the more excited he got, thinking this looks like a restaurant. As he approached it, sure enough, it was a restaurant out in the middle of this crazy desert. And he peeked inside, and he could see it was filled with people. 
They were eating, but most importantly, they had glasses of water with ice. Well, he was ecstatic. He walked to the front of the door. Right there was a doorman, and the doorman said, Excuse me, sir, you can't come in here. <laughs> you, you can't come in here without a, without a tie. Now, what's up with that? As you think about that, who made that stupid law? What do you think about the commandments of God? What do you think about the laws that God has given us, starting with the Ten Commandments? Do you think God just threw some things out there to aggravate us, to make it difficult for us? Are some of the commandments as ridiculous as wearing a tie in the desert? Or did God have a purpose for the commandments, for the laws that he gave us? Well, today in our, in our Bible study, Jesus is going to actually answer a question about the laws, the commandments, the rules that God gave us. We begin in Matthew 22, verse 34. Now, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? A scribe or a teacher of the law evidently had been overhearing the conversation that we discussed last week as in these verses previous to this, where Jesus answered the Sadducees, and it said that the people thinking of Jesus' answer were amazed. So this, well, this lawyer, he loved it. And he said, I'm going to approach Jesus and ask him a question that we debate. He was so good at answering this one, let's see what he says. You see, the Pharisees, they just loved to keep the laws, or try to keep the laws. The reason they did that was because for the Pharisees, that's the way you got to God, trying to keep these laws, pleasing him. And these Pharisees took the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses, and they complicated them to no end. In fact, by the time we're in this passage in the New Testament, for many years, the Jewish leaders had taken Ten Commandments and, and multiplied them into 613 commandments. 248 positive, 365 negative. 248 do this, 365 don't do this. Well, obviously, as you think about that, I mean, who in their, in their whole world could ever keep 613 commandments? Well, nobody could. So they decided to come up with another man-made solution. These so-called experts, they divided these commandments, these 613, into two categories, heavy, important, and light, unimportant. 
So now the average person, they thought, could focus on the important ones and kind of not worry about the unimportant ones. You say that sounds strange. Well, not really. We kind of transferred that philosophy to today. Ever hear somebody say, oh, that was just a little white lie. What's a little white lie versus a black lie? Who came up with that? Well, it's an extension of this kind of thinking. Later we learn in the Bible this verse, James 2. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. So there was no way, if I I break just one of the, quote, 613, I need help from God. You know, Satan is always trying to complicate what it means to follow Jesus. Our churches have come up with so many rules and regulations of our own that have made this process of following Jesus much more complicated than it should be. God wants his walk with us to be simple. Not easy, but simple. Write the definition of simple down this morning. It simply means this. Having few parts, not complex or complicated, or involved. I want you to think about this in an everyday life. Many years ago, we didn't have anything called a mobile phone. We just had a phone. When it rang, what'd you do? You picked it up. We didn't have answer machines. I know I'm dating myself. That's quite all right. You just had a phone. You picked it up. Now we have cell phones. It does everything. It could have a map for for you to get from here to the airport, strange town, whatever. You can dial on it, find a restaurant, what's close by. I mean, you have so many buttons on that sucker that you, you need a manual. You know, we've simplified life. I don't think so. Well, that's what's happened. Satan loves to take that which is meant to be simple and complicated. Think about this. How did Ten Commandments explode into 613? Who came up with one negative commandment for every day of the year? Can you imagine you getting your devotion out every morning? And you get your devotion book out. And it's for the whole year. And every day you start with this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Every single day. What a joy to serve God. 365 no's. Well, that certainly isn't the heart of God. And think about what the religious leaders did. That's why this lawyer is asking the question. You know how the religious leaders spent their time? Trying to figure out, out of these 613, which one rose to the top. Instead of being light, instead of being salt, instead of bringing people to God, they actually pushed people away from God. Endless, useless debate. Now, we don't see that in the church today, do we? You remember I mentioned ties? How many remember the day when, well, you better have one on before you came into church? Yes. I have one back in the, just in case somebody's here. No, I don't. I ain't wearing one today. Sorry. Now, I'm not making fun of people that do that. That's perfectly fine. 
But see, it isn't about that. And we've taken something that's supposed to be simple and complicated. Well, is there any way Jesus can make this complicated mess simple? Let's look. Verse 37. When asked this question, which one is the most important, Jesus said this. Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So Jesus goes back to Deuteronomy, and we find something called the Shema. It simply means here. This statement that you see, Deuteronomy 6.4, you can look up, it goes for the next four or five verses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The faithful Jewish people would recite that twice a day. Now, why would they recite it? What they were saying is, just look at the statement for a moment. When you look at it, how many gods are there? How would you know that? He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, he's a personal God, the Lord is, there's one. Well, why did God want them to repeat that? Because they were in a, a world where there was many gods. You hear the very same thing today. All roads lead to God. No, there's only one God. And you'll see in the New Testament, there's only one way to get there. So when asked from Jesus, out of all of these commandments, 613, really 10 in the, in the original, which one's the most important? Jesus simply says, all the commandments, are, are, they just flow all the way down to one. The one means you're to love God. The one true living God. Here's how you can write it. Vieira, here's how you can write it. Jesus simplifies the greatest commandment into two words. Love God. Love God. Now, let me give you a little quiz. Which would you rather try to pursue? 613 or one? How many go for the one? Can, can I see your hand? Well, sure you would. A couple of you go for the 613. I see your hand out there. Y- you need medical care. <laughs> There's no way we could ever keep 613. So the two words are, just say it with me, this, love God. Here we go. Love God. Well, that should bring another question to your mind. What does love mean? You see, in our language, we just have one word for love. In the original language, the Greek language, there was three and usually even four words that all meant love. What did Jesus mean by the word love God? When someone says, I love the gators, relax, relax, I love the Seminoles. Is that the type of love Jesus is talking about? Is it? No, it isn't. How about this? When you say, I love my spouse, my kids, my dog, is that the kind of love Jesus is talking about? No, it's getting closer, but it isn't. You see, none of these are the type of love, the word that Jesus used. The word he used, we don't use it very often. It's called agape love. Here's the definition of it. Write it down because this clarifies how you and I are supposed to function. 
selfless, others-centered love. In other words, it's God's love. Others-centered. Others-centered. Now, God's love is much more than an emotion or a feeling. It's a committed love in action. We know from Mark chapter 4 that some people, when they come to Christ, come to an altar, watch a Billy Graham crusade, something, they come to Christ, and they accept the Lord. There's joy, there's excitement. So, when I speak about God's love, it's a committed type of love. Emotion is very important. I'm an emotional person. But emotion isn't enough. Now, Jesus just doesn't leave it with this kind of selfless love. He actually says, here's some definition. Here's how to expand it. And he says, we're to love God with our heart and our soul in our mind. The Old Testament and Mark add our strength. What does that mean? Let's go through these really quickly and show you that it's much more than emotion. When I love God, and by the way, I can't love him unless he helps me, and he does. First of all, I have to love him with my heart. Your heart, this isn't the pumping deal here. This isn't the thing that flows blood through our arteries. Our heart is the control center of who you are. It's where we make the decisions of life. It's where we decide for or against God. The heart is where our commitment to God takes root. That's where it grows. And when we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, it's, it's a process of as if I was a magnet and I'm drawn right to God. That keeps me on center. My heart is set on him. The Bible speaks very much about heart. Out of our heart come the it, well, it's the wellspring of life. Everything is in that heart. That's the decision center. But there is emotion involved. We see soul. I'm to love God with all my soul. Our will and our emotion. You see, when you love God, there should be some passion about it. This means we would be excited about our relationship with God versus being, well, like nonchalant, apathetic. There is emotion when we serve God, but emotion is not enough. That's why some of you raised in a church that was all emotion. It never lasted. You were always at the altar because there was never really any commitment. Third, our mind. This is the opposite. In the space center, there's a danger. You see, we're going to decide everything by our intellect. Many people say if you come to Christ, you have to blow your brains out. No, let me just make this statement very clear to you. Christianity makes sense. In fact, the Bible says the wisdom of man is foolishness with God. So loving doesn't stop with emotion. Jesus says don't bypass your mind. You see, the mind is the place that needs to be renewed. In fact, the Bible tells me as I'm in the word of God, I begin to think like God. So I have to love him with my heart. In my soul, in my mind. Now be careful. You can't limit 
the love of God in your mind and there not be any emotion. We have churches kind of like that. It's all in the mind. It's intellectual. But nothing ever comes from the heart. That's a danger. Be careful. You have to mix the truth of the Word of God with faith. With faith. And last, there's this word strength. It means our physical capabilities. Service to God. Now, the Jews knew this was the great commandment. They really knew the Shema was it. The little Shema would be written out in longhand and rolled up and put within that little Shema. It's just, it's attaches to doors. And you would see that when we go to Israel, when you walk out of the hotel room, basically every hotel room has a little mezuzah. And what you do is you put your hands on it. And when you put your hands on it, inside it said what? There is how many gods? One. It's a Shema. It says there's one God. And it will remind you that there's one God. Now, there's nothing wrong with both of these. Nothing wrong with them at all. Except if they become a ritual. You see, if you put the box on and you, you rub the, she, the, the little box like, well, this mezuzah is going to bring me good luck for the day. Could, could we in Christianity have rituals? So the Jewish people, well, they knew the answer to this. They understood it. Look back in verse 37. And when you see the word all in Vieira and here and watching by the internet, when you see the word all, I want you to say it out loud with me. Look at verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Did you get the idea? You see, when Jesus saved us, I'm so glad he just didn't save the left side of me. I'm glad he just didn't save my leg. When God came into my life, he saved how much of me? All of me. Are you glad for that this morning? How do I know that, Pastor Mike? I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. Oh, yes, you do. Old things are passed away. All things became new. So when God came into us, he just took us from top to bottom And he just cleansed us. And all my sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. That's important. Well, how do I serve God? Let me read you this, but write this definition first. What was Jesus saying? A person's total being must be involved in loving God. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Not one missing. Those who present to God a few moments of worship in church once a week, while ignoring God in the rest of their life, at work and at home and at play, this writer says will suffer from religious schizophrenia. Jesus simplified the greatest commandment for us in two words, love God. Today, we learn from Pastor Mark that while love is not easy, it is a simple command, not complex. God's love, which has been manifest to mankind throughout history, is selfless and others-centered. Have you practiced this same love in your life? It will be difficult at times, but it is the single greatest thing the Lord is looking for in our lives. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. It takes four aspects of your body to love God. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that a person's total being must be involved in loving God. We are commanded to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Some people have loved God with their mind, but not their heart, or vice versa. The Lord wants all of you and promises joy and satisfaction for those who do commit to Him. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. has seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a hurting world a new hope he is giving lord let us hear